Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So we were talking this morning and got on the subject of healing, and um, like I mentioned this morning, Pastor Angela has ministered on this in the last few weeks. She did this the end of October, beginning of November, on Wednesday nights, and so if you didn't hear, maybe the youth next door or people working in different places, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those things. You know, you can't hear on this subject too much. It's something we ought to be strong in and hear on a regular basis, you know, and God's always got something to show you. I've always got something to say to you, more light, more revelation. There's always a higher level of victory you can be walking in, right? There's always a higher level that we can have, so we ought to be aiming for those things. And uh, God is faithful to take us there and direct us. I just want to mention you in our bookstore. I don't know if it's open on Sunday nights after service, but uh, it's not. But if you wanted something, I'm sure somebody could help you out. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got the Foundations of Faith study course, which covers faith, healing, and the Holy, or faith, uh, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but one of the books is not, I believe, on that series as far as what the church, we do it next door, but uh, is they've got two books on the subject of healing that Brother Hagen wrote. And each one has uh, 13 lessons in them. And I tell you, they're written just like the faith, prayer, and the Holy Spirit done in the same format. They'll be a blessing to you. So if you've never uh, read those books, gone through them line by line, they'll be a help to you. One of my favorite authors, uh, just in general, is E.W. Kenyon. Who's ever read some E.W. Kenyon? Oh, I love me. Some E-Dub. He's one of my favorites. I love E.W. Kenyon. In fact, Brother Hagen read a lot of E.W. Kenyon uh, uh, over the years. And um, you'll notice a lot of times things that Brother Hagen said, really a lot of it was heavily influenced by E.W. Kenyon. And so uh, his book, Jesus the Healer, an amazing book. We should have that in the bookstore. Um, I know we've had it in times past, but if we don't, you can get it online. I'm sure Amazon has it. It's amazing. And then uh, the ultimate uh, end-all to be-all book on healing other than the Bible, come on now, right, would be uh, Christ the Healer by F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth. I tell you, this is a phenomenal book. In fact, this was our textbook at Rama was Christ the Healer. And uh, I personally love the way it's written, a little bit older English. I love the way it's written, but um, he covers every aspect of the subject of healing and does a marvelous job at it. This man was mightily used of God, and I tell you, this is a fantastic book. In fact, uh, this evening I pulled it out on my way here. I thought, you know, I need to mention this book. It's been a little while since I've read it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it back out and read it for myself again. But, uh, man, what an awesome, awesome resource. You know, any of the things we have, you know, they're there not just to take up space in the bookstore, but they're there to be a blessing to you. And, uh, you know, our younger folks, if you've never read those things, you need to get on those. You know, um, I had the benefit of growing up when Brother Hagen was alive and going to school when Brother Hagen was still alive. So all of those books we read and got to go to his meetings. Well, he's been gone for a little while now, been in heaven, and his address changed in 2003. So, um, you know, maybe you, I know some folks haven't read a lot of his stuff. You ought to go and read those things. Get them out. Uh, uh, we've, like I said, we have all those, all that material in the bookstore, just marvelous truths there. And this is a man who lived it and walked it out, and I tell you, uh, it'll be a blessing to you. We'll turn with you over to Mark chapter 1. We'll look in the uh, 40th verse. We're talking on the subject of healing. Like I said, I know Pastor Angela has just recently spoken on this and uh, not looking to uh, correct anything she said or try to compete with it. Just on my heart to go over these things again and talk about some various um, aspects of this. I believe some things would be, uh, would be helpful to us. And here in uh, Mark chapter 1, we have uh, verses 40 and 42. It says, uh, now a leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus was willing? Aren't you glad to know he's still willing? Amen. His willingness hasn't changed one single bit. Of course, we know God's ability never changes, but uh, his willingness is forever settled. And, and I love one of the things, he's not a respecter of persons. Amen. And so we looked at various scriptures. We don't have time to go back through everything. In fact, I, I got very, very few things covered this morning that I wanted to, uh, but that's all right. It had, we had good unction this morning. Go with me to Third John, uh, verse 2, only one chapter in Third John. 
So just a quick recap of a few things. Uh, the, the message, I believe, is probably already up on the app and, um, and online, and then we'll have the uh, YouTube video will be up sometime tomorrow whenever I, whenever I get to it, uh, but it'll be up tomorrow. Uh, but here in 3 John, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Brethren, I wish that you would prosper. Hallelujah. I wish you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so we know that word just as we looked at this morning means in same proportion or in proportion to. He wants you, to, your heart, your, your life, your financial life, your physical life to prosper just as much as he wants your spiritual life to grow. You know, God is serious about you in these areas. He's, he is very, uh, I don't know, maybe that's not the right word, but he's very concerned He's very attentive. He, he, he's very much, he's very passionate about your prosperity and your health. God is taken with these things. He, it is not a little deal to him. These are major, major, major things to him. And he wants these things to be as real in you and growing and prospering in your life. He wants this to, to be moving and working in your life to the same degree that you're growing spiritually. He wants this for you. So if God places such a, an importance on it, it must be important to us. And it ought to be important to us. Amen. Everybody say, God wants me wealthy. That was about half of you. You know, God wants you wealthy. God wants you wealthy. What does that mean? Billions of dollars? It means you having a full supply to do whatever needs to be done for the kingdom of God. We ought to get over religious attitudes and be okay with how God sees things. I know uh, one minister was talking to you. If you talk about prosperity, you're going you're gonna to have some people who get, up, get upset with you. You're going to catch a lot of heat over it. And we've caught some heat over it over the years. You know, there's this whole idea that the health and wealth churches and people have a problem with that. Well, they just need to read their Bible. Heaven is not a, is not a poor place. Heaven is not, you know, is, they're, not, they're not having the great dust bowl of 1930 happening in heaven. You know, I mean, it, it is a prosperous it is a happening place, right? They've got the best of everything. The best we have here is nothing compared to there. And, uh, you know, God is not, does not, doesn't have a problem with you being wealthy. Really, the only, the only limitation is your faith and your capacity to still honor God in your prosperity. And really, that's the, that's the biggest pitfall people have is not putting God first in their finances. Well, how, where do you start? You start right where you are. If you can't be faithful with $100, you won't be faithful with a million dollars. You say, ah, but once my ship comes in, I'll know you'll do just what you did with the $100. You will do nothing different. You'll do nothing different than what you did with, with $10. I know with our kids, you know, we just passed uh, uh, Christmas came and, you know, we, in our house, our kids know this and we, we remind them, but they're trained to do this. Listen, when Christmas comes and goes, you total up what you got, not just from us, but from Nana and Papa and your grandparents. You total it all up. If it's a thing, you find out what it costs, put a dollar amount to it, and then you tithe on that. Say, well, Pastor Greg, that's a little extreme. I believe the blessings of God are extreme. And I want them to learn to qualify for what God has for them, to honor him and everything they get. I want them to be good stewards of those things. Why? Because I believe if they're good stewards with that, They'll be good stewards later. It will qualify them to walk in the abundance of God. God wants you prosperous. Amen. A person said, you know, if you talk on this, you're going you're gonna to catch some heat. You know, I'd rather catch heat and not be broke. <laughs> it's better to catch a little heat but have your needs met. Because when the times come, tough times come, people will go to the person who's got the resources to help them, right? They won't really mind what kind of heat you catch. God wants you blessed. But then equally, he wants you healthy. He wants you healthy. He wants your body to prosper. You know, uh, we just, uh, yesterday had a cat. We had our, our, one of our two house cats, you know, our other Andersons. We had to uh, put one to sleep yesterday. And, you know, after we got to the house, I just told Jack, I said, you know what? This is, I said, this just, this whole thing just makes me mad because none of this is supposed to happen. This is not the way that God's original creation, he did not create, he did not create life on earth for there to be death. This is the work of the devil. He doesn't like it in any way, shape, or form. I said, this is why we got to do our job so we can close this thing out so this stuff comes to an end. And, uh, you know, God, God desires that health be, and health be the, uh, the reigning factor in all of the earth. There was no death. There was no disease before the curse. It was just good. 
And that's the way God wants it to be for us. Well, we ought to want that for ourselves. And we ought to be equally as interested in these things as we are in growing spiritually. There is a danger if you get lethargic in your spiritual growth, you're going to get lethargic in your financial and spiritual health or, or physical health as well. These things are tied together, but an active, growing walk with God will encourage you to lay hold of these things. He's very, 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 very interested in this. Of course, you know, we found out this morning that he, does, he wants us to grow. We learned that babies are not uh, very useful. You can go back and listen to, uh, to that. Uh, we mentioned the fact that as my kids get older, I, I'm thankful for those days, but boy, I am glad that there are no diapers in my house and... Um, there is milk in the fridge, and they went and got it. It's a wonderful thing. So we read this uh, quote this morning. Like I said, you can go back and listen to this morning's message. You can do that tonight or tomorrow on YouTube. read this quote from John G. Lake, John Graham Lake, um, the apostle to Africa. And uh, he was uh, talking about God's will towards healing and health. He said, years ago, I found myself like my brother, but worse, but worse crippled than he. As obviously, his brother had struggled and. And this is um, uh, in his book, his sermons, his life, his boldness of faith. And he began to talk about this, the things that his brother he went through. You know, when you read the life of John G. Lake, it was um, much like the Anderson life, pre-Jesus. You know, uh, uh, our family, uh, you know, sometimes people, for, people don't realize where you come from. You know, you ought never be afraid of where you come from and, 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 and being real with people. It's good sometimes for people to know that you came from somewhere, but you're not where you started, Right. You know, sometimes people look at us, they think, oh, well, you know, you have no idea what it's like. You have no idea what life was like for us. I remember growing up, and to this day, I hate rice aroni and hot dogs, because that's all we ate. We lived on rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. It was a treat there, but who remembers rice aroni? San Francisco. Do they sell that stuff anymore? I wouldn't know because I'm not eating it since like 1982. But anyway, uh, we lived on that. It was rice and hot dogs. I mean, you know, you, you, even at Rama, Rama students, we worked as little as we could so we could be in class and as busy as all as we. I don't think I ever. We did eat a few hot dogs, but I we never cracked open a box of of uh, rice Hallelujah! I would have gone. I would have starved for ate that rice aroni, but um. You know, we didn't have any rice aroni. We, we, you know, I mean, we lived on when I was a kid. I hated this stuff. Uh, I know, you know, my family, um, uh, you look at uh, my, my mom's parents, my, my dad's parents, my dad's family, you know, sickness and disease, disease. My dad had said before, you know, his house didn't look any different than the neighbor's house. And they were serving God and they were faithful Christians. But when things came through town, they went through the Anderson house just like they did everybody else's house. And and, you know, we're not criticizing anybody, but God wants better for us, right? But we've got to want better for ourselves. We have to know that it's an option. God wants you healthy. He wants you healthy. And it's okay for this to be something you are mindful of, you are thinking about, that when the flu season rolls around, you think, come keep right on rolling because you're not rolling here. Why? Because God wants me healthy, Right? And uh, this ought to be something that's real to us. He wants us healthy. So anyway, John G. Lake said, a years ago, I found myself like my brother, but worse crippled than he. When my legs drew out of shape and my body became distorted by the common curse of rheumatism, my pastor said, brother, you are glorifying God. And my church said, brother, be patient and endure it. Let the sweetness of the Lord possess your soul. He said, I was good enough to believe it for a long time until one day I discovered that it was not the will of God at all, but the will of the dirty, crooked level, uh, crooked leg devil that wanted to make me like himself. And then, bless God, everything was changed and I laid down everything and went to Chicago to the only place where I knew that a man could get healed. Aren't you, God, we have more places than just Chicago now. Amen. He said, the only place I knew that a man could be healed. I went to John Alexander Dowie's Divine Healing Home on 12th and Michigan Street, and an old gray-headed man came out and laid his hands on me, and the power of God went through my being and made my legs straight, and I went out and walked on the street like a Christian. Woo, hallelujah. I love the way he writes those things. We ought to have a different perspective of things. We ought to look different, amen. We ought to, we ought to, our lives ought to look different, sound different, be different all the way, right? Because we have the King of Kings on the inside of us, right? He said, do you know my legs straightened out? 
When my late legs straightened out, it taught me the beginning of one of the deepest lessons that ever came to my life. It taught me that God did not appreciate a man with crooked legs any more than he does a crooked soul. I saw the abundant power of the gospel of salvation and that it was placed at the disposal of man to remove the unchrist likeness of his life. And if there was unchrist likeness in his body, we could get rid of the curse by coming to God and being made whole. He said, God does not appreciate a man with crooked legs any more than he does a crooked soul. And so, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're mindful of these things. God wants you healthy. I don't know if I read this quote to you this morning. He also said later on, he said, I want to keep the fact forever clear that the purpose of Christ's redemption is he has threefold. He said is sinlessness. What's the purpose of Christ's redemption? It's more than just a ticket to heaven. It's just more than fire insurance, right? He said it's more than sinlessness. He said the purpose of Christ's redemption is sinlessness, sicklessness, and ultimately deathlessness. Woo. It is redemption of sinlessness, sicknessless, sicknessless, and deathlessness. God wants us healthy. Amen. Go through over to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at a few things. These are our issues that we need to be well versed in, and really not just for our own sake, but for somebody else's sake. You know, this having this, this alive in you, this truth so established in your own heart. Not only will it cause you to walk it out for yourself personally, but you'll become someone that God can then use to set others free. Isn't that the thing? John G. Lake, when you read his, this was the beginning of him learning how these things work. And this made such an impact on him that he began to pursue these things for himself. And he became someone that God used mightily throughout his lifetime and changed the hearts and the lives of an entire continent. Really, a lot of the work that Christopher Allen has done in Africa, and when we've been with Christopher Allen in the past, you know, a lot of people will mention Ed Elliott, which we used to support years ago, the work he did in Africa. But then you go back even beyond that, there's so many roots and so many connections. Many of these churches and denominations and groups that are there are tied directly to John G. Lake and the work that he did and the things that he accomplished in his life. Why? The truth real to himself not only set himself free, but you know that we ought to all take, always take those things to the next step. Yeah, it's good for me. Then what can I do with it? Right? You do know that's how this works, right? What will this do for me? And then I, what do I do with it from there? Y'all do know that's how this works, right? Yeah. Anything that's a blessing to us, well, it's there as a principle. Yes, for us, but also it's a ministry tool for others. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news that we're carriers of. That is the redeeming, saving, freeing truth and power of the gospel of Jesus. It'll work for me. It'll work for you as well. Amen. So we need these things to be real in our life. And um, I'd mentioned, you know, that John G. Lake, they'd put the, the bubonic plague in his hands, some, some, some live uh, cultures. And I guess it was, I guess it was foamy stuff. And I, I don't know how it worked, but they put it in his hands. Is that right? It was foamy. And they put it in his hand and put it under a microscope and they watched it die under that microscope. And, you know, uh, after service, I think it was Mark Bauer. Was it you, Mark? Came it to me. Somebody came up after and they said that they had, uh, if their if if research or whatever memory is certain right, that, that almost half of Europe died from the bubonic plague. Almost half of, of Europe was wiped out. Then they didn't do real good, you know, calculations back then, but they estimate about half. Population was a lot smaller back then. When you lose half the, the people that are there, I mean, that, that's a serious thing. You also realize that it's nothing for the power of God. It, it, it may be serious. We ought not be moved by these things. When these things come, these things go. Listen, we know that, let's just be honest, we know that these things will come and go. That there will be more of these things. We're coming out of COVID. And, of course, COVID was nowhere near the bubonic plague. It was nowhere near the Spanish, you know, Spanish flu of 1918 where 50 million people died. I mean, it was nowhere near those kind of numbers, right? Um, whether, we, whether it was an actual pandemic or not, I don't know. But, but it was nowhere close. But what if something did come? What if something major did come? You know, the devil, if he could have his way, he would have this stuff happening all the time. You do realize he would do this stuff all the time. If the enemy could have his way, he would wipe the planet out overnight. He would wipe the planet out overnight. You know the reason why he can't? The reason why that's not possible, the reason why that won't happen is look around. 
right? Look around, right? What we see right here, not just us, but the body of Christ. We are the preserving force in this earth. And even, even the body of Christ that doesn't fully understand who they are is a preserving force, right? If we can find out who we really are and what really belongs to us, and then not just keep it for us, but start doing something with it, whew, that's how we wrap this thing up. That's how we bring this thing to a close. That's how we, we, we shine that light brightly, right? And that's how we do what needs to be done. Of course, we know that, that there's t- coming a time where the church isn't going to be here. We're going to be caught away. The enemy's going to have free reign for a period of time. And, uh, you know, but, but that's just one step closer to the final end of all of this stuff. And it's going to be good from there, amen? But we're not going to see any of that. But what if there were another big thing that came around? We need to know how this works, we need to know how this works. You know, when a pastor and I go to Africa, we go different places. I mean, even going to Europe, uh, you know, I, I had, y'all know, I had twisted my ankle really bad uh, a few years ago in Belgium. Had, uh, they asked me, how did you do this? Were, what were you doing? I said, I was walking. <laughs> I wish I had a better story, but I just wasn't paying attention. I stepped off a curb in these cobblestone streets in Belgium and twisted my ankle real bad. Well, they took me to the hospital and I thought, my goodness, this was, this was like the best hospital. It was a town of about 500,000 people. Uh, there was a large military base right outside of town, a NATO base. A lot of U.S. troops were there. This is where all of the uh, non-servicemen went, so their families went to it. This was the best hospital in town. Their, their level of care was not good. The, I remember when I got there, they had one pair of crutches, one type, not one pair in the hospital, but they had one type of crutch. I needed some crutches. They had all they had one up, one kind. That's all you had. Any option, anything you want to talk about, they had one version of it. That's socialized medicine over there. They had no options, you know, and the, the quality of care wasn't good. Well, when we go to Africa, I mean, we've been in, we've been in, uh, uh, Zimbabwe before where if you go to the hospital, you've got to bring your own bag to put an IV in. No joke. If you go to the hospital, you bring your own mattress you bring your own sheets, you bring a bread bag that they can use as an IV. Yeah, glory, Steve said. No, no, when we're there, I mean, we go, we are trusting God. I don't want to twist my ankle in Africa, right? I mean, that, that's not happening, period. Uh, but, you know, we go and we believe God. Listen, I'm, we're not going to have any issues. We go over there and there's some crazy stuff running around. We believe God, we're not going to have any issues. What if in America things were to go a direction where there, you didn't have access to health care? Where you didn't have access, you didn't have the, the, the ability to fall back, thank God for medicine, but what if you were in a position where you didn't have access for that? You need to know that this works for you. You don't wait until you're facing something. You wait, you do it now when you're not facing anything. You can get this so established in your life that when something comes up, you're like, I don't think so, devil. I don't think so, crooked-legged crooked devil. I'm not going to have it, Right? This is how this works. We need to be passionate about this. That's why he said, beloved, I desire that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. He wants this for us. Praise God. Romans chapter 8, 31st verse, Romans 8, 31. And for some strange reason this morning, I thought I could get this all done this morning and tonight. That's, that's not going to happen. But anyway, Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be? How many know the scripture? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who, who, he who, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Speaking about the father and Jesus. How shall he, the father, not with him also freely give us all things. Also freely give us all things. What's he saying here? Listen, if Jesus, if the Father didn't spare the Son, how come? He, well, well, is there anything else he won't freely give us? What is the answer for that? No. If you're willing to sacrifice your own Son, you will do anything. If you're willing to go to that extreme, he's not going to withhold any good thing from us. You need to know that in your life. God wants you healed. He's not withholding anything. I looked up, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And so I looked it up, and, and this word who is actually a Greek word test, and it means T-I-S, and it actually means who, which, or what. Who, which, or what. Now, this is used about 537 times in the, in the Bible, and there are 260 times is what, uh, 102 times is who. Uh, there's several different versions here and there, but... An accurate translation of this, it is, an accurate translation is who can be against us, but also it would be accurate to say what can be against us. Uh, 
If God be for us, what can be against us? How many know that everything that comes up is just a name? Whatever comes or whatever goes is simply a name. And we have scripture on it that there is another name that every other name must bow to, right? It's the name of Jesus, and he is the one that purchased, paid for our redemption, which is sinlessness, sicknessness, sicknessless, and even deathlessness. This is what he has purchased for you and I. He said, if, if, God, who, who, if God be for us, who or what can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. I tell you what, God is not withholding anything from us. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. Go to Mark chapter 15. Like I said, as a church, you know, we, we have looked at this over the years and, and it's something that we know, but I mean, it's gotta be alive to you because you know, symptoms or, or different things won't, won't say, oh, you know, it's brother Steve. It won't call him brother. Sickness, well, just that Steve Morgan guy, you know, oh, I don't want to mess with Steve because he's heard this stuff before. That's not how this works. The devil's always wanting to try you, right? The devil hates you and has a plan for your life, right? He always is wanting to try you. Well, we ought not bother us. Ought not bother us at all. No, we just need to know who we are, what belongs to us. So this is something that needs to be real to us. Mark chapter 15, we'll look here in the 30th and 31st verse. Says then a great multitude came to him, came to Jesus, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed, the maimed made whole, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, for they glorified the and they glorified the God of Israel. Notice what brings glory to the Lord. Is it sickness that brings glory to the Lord? Remember the pastor told uh, John G. Lake, you know, just, this is, just glorify the Lord. God's getting glory out of this. God does not get any glory out of somebody being sick. That is religion. I've heard it. You've heard it. People who genuinely love God, these are things that they have been told and they believe. If you believe this, the devil's got you right where he wants you. He may not have your soul. He may not have access to your spirit, man, after this life, but he can ruin this time here. It doesn't bring glory to God. Glory came to the father when these, when these individuals were set free. He said, brother, and then the guy told, the, told him, he said, brother, you are glorifying to God. It doesn't make any sense. There's no glory in someone being sick. But it said a great, verse 30, it said a great multitude came to him. A multitude is already a bunch of people. A multitude is not three or four. A multitude isn't five or six. A multitude is already a large number. A multitude, by definition, is a number too large to count. That's a multitude. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Would, it, would a gator game be a multitude? If you tried to count them all, that's a multitude. Now, they have, they have people that count them at this, you know, you have tickets, but that'd be a large number. You couldn't count that number. You know, when we go to Africa, we've been there. We, we, Christopher's really good. Brother Christopher's real good at, you know, estimating how many people are in a crowd. I look out, I'm like, man, is there like 100,000 people out there? I have no idea. He's like, no, that's 35. I'm like, okay. Then the next time I go, I'll say, that's what? That's probably 30? He's like, no, that's 50. So I can't, I'm, I'm never right about what we're looking at. He knows kind of what's out there by the, by the crowd and kind of how things look. Well, when you get crowds that size, you can't even count it. But this said it was a great multitudes, plural. Great multitudes. How many people were here? We have no idea. It's safe to say it was a an extremely large number of people. You know that every kind of sickness and disease was represented in that crowd? If you were to take the people that attend a gator game and just, at, and just take a poll of everything, every ailment people had who were there, you'd have a very large, very diverse number of ailments present, right? Well, this is in people's hometowns. There were all kinds of things there. Notice what it said. They brought all of these people the blind, the, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and laid them down at Jesus' feet. And what? He healed them. Like I said, I know we know this, but we, it needs to stay real to us. Jesus healed them all. 
He says they brought these multitudes and he healed them. Folks, Jesus has not changed. Go over to Luke, the fourth chapter. You're there, Matthew. Flip over to Luke. Man, I'm so glad I learned this. So glad we found this out. So glad that my family, we're not where we used to be. Thank God for the, the things that our family did before generations past. Thank God for the ground that they, that they, they the, the, the ground they won for us. You know, we're, my family now, we're, we're, we're uh, enjoying the benefit of the sacrifices they made and the things that they learned. But I'm so glad that we know what belongs to us now. Amen. So glad that we understand these things. You know, I, I'll, I'll never forget, and I know pastors talked about this before, I was too little, but, but you know, as you grow up, you hear stuff. And, and uh, when they left the, the Church of God, and great denomination, I have many great friends in, in Church of God and, and uh, Assemblies of God churches, but, um, you know, the church they were at, you know, they, they, victory was not something they really thought about. You know, victory is not something that was really on the forefront of people's minds. You just, you just kind of get through and, and just believe for the best, hope for the best. You know, sometimes he heals, sometimes, he's, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait a while. Who's ever heard that before? Where's scripture and verse for that? <laughs> that does not exist. You never have a person going to Jesus. It didn't say that we just read in Matthew that all the great multitude came to him. He, told, he healed some, told others to wait a little while. Hey, hang on with that. I'll get back to you. It didn't happen. Says he healed them. They left healed. They left whole. But you know, my family, we didn't understand those things. And I know when my, my mom and dad, you know, decided to to leave the uh, uh, leave and, and go to a, a Rama church. And we're not just saying Ramas. There's a lot of great churches, a lot of great groups and people out there. We thank God for what they're doing. But I know my 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 family. They just said, "Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't leave the church. Don't leave the church. Think of your kids." And my dad said that he thought to himself, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm thinking of my kids. I don't want to raise them in the same environment. That was the environment. They loved God, but they also blamed God for my dad's, my grandfather's death. They, they, they loved God, but they blamed God. That's strong words. But when you say that the Lord took your, your sister, you're blaming God for her death. That is not scriptural. The reality is it's actually insulting. It's actually straight up insulting. Now, you know, can I, can I never get into an argument with somebody over these things? Have the gospel. Have, have the word of God. Have the word of God. Don't get in an argument with them. But I tell you what, at the same point, I'm, I don't like somebody being hateful and being rude and criticizing my father God. And blaming him for stuff that he had no part of. I don't know about you, but it gets under my skin. I do not like it at all. We ought to, we ought to not be okay with that. The moment you're okay with it is the moment you start setting yourself up to start thinking that way yourself. You open that door, the devil will take it and run. We need to make sure we stay on top of that. What did it take to go? Luke chapter 4, right? 38th verse. Is that where we are? Yeah, Luke four thirty eight. Now he, Jesus, arose from the synagogues and synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. So this is this is even applies to mother in laws. <laughs> I have a great mother in law. Praise God. Uh, but Simon's wife's mother was. In case she's listening, I didn't just say that. That's true. She is a great mother in law. I love her very much. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and, and they made request of him, Jesus, concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and served them. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, notice all, not just some, but all. How many believe the Bible? You believe the word of God, right? If it says all, that means there wasn't a single person that fits this category that what this didn't apply to, Right? He said, now as the sun was setting, all, not half or a few, but all those who were, who, that all those who had any, who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and what? Healed them. So every, every single person that was sick and everybody that had somebody who was sick, they were all brought to Jesus he laid his hands on them and healed them all. I would have loved to have been there. You talk about 
Sometimes we get tired in our ministry lines, right? Oh, this is going on forever. This was a long ministry line. This took a very long time, right? But it said in the midst of this, Jesus healed every last one of them. I hope this doesn't bore you. This shouldn't bore us because if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. It's all so easy to be like, yeah, that's whatever, until you need it. But when you, you don't wait till you need it, you get a hold of it now, right? And you know that I'm always going to be part of the all. The all was everybody then, I'm going to be part of the all now. If there's ever anything going on, healing belongs to me. He healed every single one of them. Romans chapter two, I'll read it to you. It says, for there is no partiality with God. The Amplified, I love this. It says, for God shows no partiality, no undue favor or unfairness. With him, one man is not different from another. If he did it for somebody else, he will do it for you. You do understand when it comes to the the promises of God, there's not a spiritual hierarchy. Really, we can say, did Jesus walk in health? So can you. Did Jesus live and walk in health? Absolutely, so can you. Yeah, but he was the son of God. What he did, he did as a man. He lived his life just like you and I are living ours, right? He was anointed of the spirit on the river Jordan when John baptized him. Just like if you're born again, spirit filled, you're anointed with that same Holy Spirit, right? He lived not just sinless, he lived sickless. If he did it, you can too. It is available to you. Why? He's not a respecter of persons. It's so easy to have, and I've seen it over the years. People have these certain ones that they're just, you know, this is sister holiness. They really know their Bible. They really love God. You realize even sister holiness has got some hangups, right? Even sister holiness can sometimes, or brother holiness, was it sister holiness or brother doodad? Is that what pastor always said? Anyway, even whoever they are, they can lose their temper. Do you know that even pastor Greg can lose his temper? I know that's not even possible. Even, even, even my lovely, sweet wife has lost her temper at least one time. Now the reality is every one of us, nobody is perfect. We're all, there was one perfect man, Jesus. The rest of us are working these things out. It makes no difference. It is so easy to believe a lie that there's something so special about you that you don't qualify for. Now, obviously, there's things we have to do, and we'll talk about some of those things. Pastor Andrew talked about some of those things, right? Things to do to, to qualify, to walk in these things. You know, you can't live in disobedience and expect. I mean, not, there's a difference between making a mistake and living in disobedience. There, there's a difference between getting into error, making a mistake, your flesh, you know, gets the better of you, and you do something you ought not do. It's totally different than making a lifestyle of doing it. Those are different things. And when you practice things that you know are not right, when you, are make, when you make it a practice, you do get yourself outside of what God can do in your life. You, you do limit his effectiveness in your life. Not that he loses power, it's that you're choosing to yield to something else. You're making a decision to not deal with something. That's why we need to make sure we're letting the fruit of the Spirit grow in our life. Pastor's been talking about that. We need, to, we need to develop those things. Let the Holy Spirit have his work in us. Develop those things. Not let things short-circuit the power of God in our life, right? But no matter what it is, the devil wants you, the enemy wants you to think that you're a special case and somehow you don't qualify. That is not true. You qualify. You know, the reality is even the biggest heathen on the planet qualifies, Even the most belligerent, outspoken, ungodly person, even the most profane person that curses God actually qualifies. You might say, do they? Now, their actions may be disqualifying them, but I'm saying about them as an individual, Jesus paid the same price for them as he did for you. Jesus shed his blood for that crazy person, just like he did sister holiness. It was the same blood, same sacrifice. He did it with them in mind, just like he did with you or anybody else. There's nothing unique about anybody that just, that just inherently disqualifies them. You need to know that about you because the devil wants to point things out in your life, shortcomings that you have, and we all have them, and somehow make you think he wants you to buy into the idea that you somehow deserve this you have to deal with this, that you just don't qualify for God. 
You don't qualify for the, for the blessings of God. That is not true. Are there things we need to adjust? There might be. There might be. But in the base level, you understand what I'm saying? You qualify. Don't let the enemy talk you out. Because if you buy that, then you won't deal with their areas. You won't fix things that need to be fixed. You won't address things disobedient. You won't even bother to do it because it makes no difference. Because why? I'll never get this anyway. That's not the truth. He healed them all. He healed all of them. God shows no favorability to anyone. Matthew 7. Look at Matthew, the 7th chapter. Mm -mm -mm. Matthew 7. This will be 7 through 11 if you're taking notes. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. How many know that those are promises? And there's, there's, no, uh, there's no catches or clauses in that. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Notice, for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If you pursue Jesus, you will always find him. And if somebody's not finding him, that means they're not pursuing him. I know, I know we live in a culture that doesn't want to blame anybody for anything. But how many know that that's, if, you're not, if we're not taking ownership of things, then we're actually then blaming God for these things. Well, I sought God. I sought God. I, I cried and I sought God. I never found him. But you, something must have been wrong because he said in his word, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. Everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it'll be open. This is a part of your approaching God. You have to know this to be true. I love to say it. You've heard me say it before. You need to be confident in the fact that you know him, you see him, you hear him. You have that. You have that in your life. You always hear the voice of God. You always see God. You always see him at work. You recognize his voice. It should never be a question in your life why we have his word on it. He said, what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, he'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he'd give him a serpent. Of course, we know that that'd be nobody. He said, if you then, being evil or fallen, right, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Any belief, I think we've already said it, any other belief other than God wants to, can, and wants to heal you, have you walk in divine health is actually an attack on God's character. We cannot afford to have that in our lives. It may sound religious, but how many you know sounding religious, falling in line with those kind of, lot, kind of, kind of, kind of uh, concepts can rob you of what God has for you. God wants you more than just simply being healed of your sicknesses. He, want, he wants you to live in health, never requiring healing. Here's a quote by, uh, another quote by John G. Lake uh, out of the same book, His Life, Sermons, His Boldness of Faith. It says, the Christian, the child of God, the Christ man who has committed his body as well as his soul to God ought not to be a subject for healing. He should be a subject of continuous abiding health because he or she is filled with the life of God. I'm read again. The, the Christian, the child of God, the Christ man who has committed his body and as well as his soul. That's why when you hear me, when I do an altar call, you, if, you, if you've noticed, I like to say this is not about just praying a prayer. You, do you, I don't know if you ever notice I say that it's not just about praying a prayer because too many people think that being born again is just praying a prayer, saying a few words, you know, throwing some salt over your shoulder and you're good to go. That's not how this works. It's not about just mumbling some words. It is a commitment of your life. That is not too much to ask. I said, that's not too much to ask. Any believer who wants to hold back their life, a part of their life, I, you've got some problems. Because salvation is a complete commitment of your entire life and soul to Christ, right? He said, the man who's committed his body as well as soul to God ought not to be a subject for healing. He should be a subject of continuous abiding health because he or she is filled with the life of God. I tell you, these things are so true. They're so real. They're so powerful, amen? Well, this is, the, the, this is really kind of what I wanted to get to. And um, 
uh, this next section, and we, I'm not going to go with just a few minutes. I'll kind of get it introduced. We'll come back another time. And then we're going to get into some different steps and different things that, as far as how to do this. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, a lot of times I don't like doing steps because then people want to then just be like, let me follow my steps instead of following the heart behind things. You know, that's one of the things Brother Hagen always taught with steps, the seven steps of this, seven, and they're wonderful. But there was a lot of people, I know this because I, I went to school with them. I grew up around them. I'm doing the seven steps, but they're more following the steps than really following God. But um, I want to talk about uh, um, this fact that healing must be received. We know that God wants you healed. We know that, that he can heal anything. In fact, he, he wants you more than just being healed. He wants you to walk in divine health. He wants you to never have a headache ever again in your life. You might say, Pastor Gary, are you there right now? I, 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 I still have things that come my way, right? I, I'll be honest with you, but I'm, I'm, I have my, my sights set on what the word promises me, right? And my life's mission here is to acquire everything that Jesus paid for and to walk in it. That's what I'm doing, right? And uh, it, it is the desire of God for us to walk, not just getting things getting healed of things, but never even needing healing because it's abiding in us. Well, this healing power, this reality is something that just doesn't happen on its own. It's got to be received. People say, well, if it's the will of God, it'll happen. No, it won't. You do realize that, right? People say, well, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen. If it's God's will, it'll happen. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not the way this thing works. Go over to Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Well, that's not real encouraging, Pastor Greg. It is if you get a hold of it and realize that you're in charge of this. We're not at, the whim, at anybody's whim. We're not under anybody's control in this area. What we have, what we experience is totally up to us. Jesus has made it available. We can choose to walk in it or not. But the idea that just because God wills it, it's going to happen because after all, you know, God is sovereign. Who's ever heard people talk about that? Well, God's sovereign. You, know, you, just, you just don't know. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Read your Bible. That's not the way it works. And I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. It's just not the way it works. People say, well, like I said, if it's God's will, it'll happen. Well, what about this here? 2 Peter chapter 3, the ninth verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. This is the promise of his return. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. What's he doing? He's, he's delaying his return because he cares about the precious fruit of the earth. You do realize if Jesus came back at this moment, a lot of people would not have an op- the, the, as much opportunity as you had. Everybody's had an opportunity. Everybody, if, you're, if, you have, if, you, if you've seen nature, nature testifies of the goodness of God, right? No man can stand before the Lord and say, I didn't know. Well, you didn't ask. You didn't seek out how did this, you look around, this didn't just happen. You do realize, if you believe in evolution, I'm sorry, this just didn't happen. Just the big bang theory, yeah, God said it just happened, but you're never gonna have just a big bang random, this ran, this just doesn't happen out of randomness and out of nothing. You know, like the example, you know, how do you know that this, somebody made this chair? Its existence says somebody made the chair. How do we know this pulpit, somebody made it? The fact that it's here means somebody made it. If it wasn't here, then you couldn't, then, then maybe, if it wasn't here, then you could say nobody made it. But the fact that it's here, you know somebody made it. Why? Because it didn't just happen on its own, right? But he's waiting so we have an opportunity to present the gospel to people. He said he's, 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 he's long-suffering toward us. Notice, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is, this God, is it God's will that anybody perishes? No. He doesn't want anybody to perish. In fact, he so much so that he sent his own son that nobody has to perish. They can all come to the knowledge of the truth and all skip hell. Every single person can. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but people are. People are perishing. So just because it's God's will doesn't mean it necessarily happens. That's the cool thing about our walk with God. It's a partnership. It is a partnership. This thing of free will is an amazing, amazing thing And it's an amazing privilege that we have to choose to cooperate with the the word of God and to obey him and to walk with him. It's a blessing to be able to do that. When it comes to healing as well, it doesn't just happen on its own. We've got to receive it. And really, that's where people struggle the most. That's where I've struggled the most. It's not on, can God do it? Now, you need to know these things. We'll talk about this again. 
You need to know that it's God's will to heal you and you need to know that he can heal you. But that alone is not enough. You have to know how to receive healing. That is part of the process, right? We have to know how to do these things. And I think we'll stop right there. Before I, I can't really get into the next section without it taking a while. So we'll just stop right there. Let's all stand up. Trust that was a help to you tonight. You know, these things are, are good teaching things that we need. And we need to be well versed on this. And, and know how this works. Because uh, not only for ourselves, but for somebody else. Amen. I believe your families will be changed by this. You get a hold of it. I believe there's people in here that your families will be radically changed with you getting a hold of it for yourself and getting so good at cooperating with these truths that, that, that you just begin to demonstrate these things in their lives as well. God will use you. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus came to set people free. He knew how to walk in it himself and then he came to set other people free. Well, this is part of the process. Amen. Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We thank you for tonight, for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for insight. Hallelujah. Thank you that our eyes are open, Lord. We let us never have an idea that we know everything. Father, forgive us if we've ever grown complacent. Even in these subjects, these, these foundational truths in our life, Lord, that we've ever come to the place we feel like we know everything. Father, forgive us because there's always more to learn. Lord, I desire it and we desire it as a church. Teach us, guide us, direct us into all truth. Reveal the fullness of your word to us. Father, it's our desire to understand these greater and greater and greater to greater degrees. Father, we, we desire that. We want all that you've done for us. We want to experience it. Father, we thank you that you're leading us, guiding us, and directing us. Lord, we're getting there. Hallelujah. Father, we boldly declare you want us wealthy and you want us healthy. Hallelujah. We make no apologies for it because Jesus shed his blood for us. Hallelujah. Oh, we honor you, we praise you, we magnify you. Father, we give you all the thanks and praise tonight. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.